Lord is in agreement with the Lord's ways all the days of his life and that he is confident that if that is his heart's desire, that the Lord will hide him, that he will protect him, that he will bring him into his covering and protection and set him upon a rock. And I pray, pray that this will be our heart's desire today and that as we worship together, as we hear the Lord's word together, wherever we are, that the Lord would hide us in his protection. Pray with me. O Lord of hosts, O God Almighty, O great Redeemer, we bless you for your spirit that has been poured out to all the earth. We pray that this morning that your spirit would fill our homes, would fill our congregations, would fill our hearts, that we would come in agreement with your ways and your word and your truths and that we would be renewed and refreshed for your purpose. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So 
can see The water's raging at my feet I can feel The breath of those surrounding me I can hear The sound of nations rising up We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome I can walk Down this dark and painful road I can face Every fear of the unknown I can hear All God's children singing out We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome The same power that rose Jesus from the grave The same power that commanded death to wait Lives in us Lives in us The same power that rose mountains when he speaks The same power that can call a raging sea Lives in us Lives in us He lives in us Lives in us We have hope That His promises are true In His strength There is nothing we can't do Yes, we know There are greater things in store We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome The same power that rose Jesus from the grave The same power that commanded death to wait Lives in us Lives in us Same power that can cover 
Good morning. I loved the opportunity to come and worship, and I loved these songs, and I was just praying through that last song that may it be so, Lord, that you would have your way in this message. So, Lord, we are excited to, um, to look deeper into the things that you've given for today. So if you'll turn with me in your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 5. It's on page 1225 in the church's Bible. John chapter 5. Last week we were in uh, John chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, and we were talking a little bit and studying in this place where the nobleman comes to Jesus that his son is dying and he is begging for Jesus to come and to heal his son. And Jesus puts the nobleman in a position to where he will have to believe and have faith. And Jesus says that your son lives, go home, go on your way. And the nobleman has to make a decision before he actually sees the miracle has happened. He has to make a decision to believe and to begin on this journey. Today we're going to study a little more about some places of miracles, but I want to uh, encourage you to listen to the things that God has for us in this place today. Just as we were listening to the place over the nobleman, that as he, as he saw and as he came to this place to truly believe, and he hears that the miracle has happened and he sees that his son is living, his faith was increased in such a way that his whole household was saved. So I believe that what John wants us to hear out of last week's message, out of this week's message, and out of every message is that what happens when Jesus touches our lives is our lives change in such a way that there is an action, a call to action. In fact, let's look at John 20. Hold your place on John 5. Look at page 1250. And this is what John is telling us about these miracles, about these signs that are given. And um, in John chapter 20, verse 30, on page 1250, John writes, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, and here's the reason that John has written these down, and the reason that Jesus does do signs and wonders is that you may believe, not just believe in Jesus that he will do things for us, but to believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing that you may have life in his name. And this word life, Zoe, is a word that means both physical and spiritual. So it changes your life today, and it changes your life e eternally. But I think it's important that we recognize in the messages that God is giving to us that that's always his purpose, to change us today, here and now, physically and spiritually. So I pray that we can remember this as we study in this place today. So if you'll turn back with me to John 5, starting in verse 1 on page 1225. 
John writes, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the waters. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said this to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. There's so much to unpack in this, in this uh, chapter, and I'm excited to share with you some of the things that Jesus has shared with me. One of the things I want you to begin with in chapter 5, verse 2, it says that this was taking place at the pool of Bethesda. That means house of mercy or house of grace. I think that's important as we just see God's grace and his mercy unfold over this man that's laying here. In verse 3, it talks about that there's a great multitude of people that have come. So this place is... Um, a pool where people would come that were sick. It's almost like uh, all the sick people wanted to be healed. It's like going to the hospital. They were all here waiting for God to touch them. Verse 4 talks about that, um, and really in verse 3 also, it says they were waiting for the moving of the waters. It says, for an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred the waters. So there was this belief that somehow, that if you came to this place, that the angel would come and stir the waters. And if you could get into the water, understanding probably as the first or the first few or, or whatever it might be, then you would be healed. Now, it's my understanding that the last part of verse 3 and verse 4 are not actually in the earlier manuscripts. But I believe that this was still true and was added to the manuscript to help us to understand. Because if you look in verse 7, 
It says, the sick man answered Jesus, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. So he's referring back to this place. So I believe it was a miracle that God was using at this pool before the time of Jesus, until the time of Jesus, I don't know how long that went on. I'm not sure. It doesn't tell us. But I believe that this was a place. So I believe the man was here hoping that somehow he would be made whole. But he encounters, Jesus encounters this man as he's laying there in verse 6. And he... Uh, comes to the man and he says, do you want to be made well? This word well is a word, hugeas, hugeas, something like that, H-U-G-I-E-S. And this word means physical healing. It means health. It means whole. It also means pure but it's talking about physical healing. If it was talking about spiritual healing, it would have used the word sozo, which does mean spiritual healing. But Jesus intentionally used this word speaking to the man. He said, do you want to be made physically well? The sick man answered him and gave him the excuse. He said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. So he's saying, you know, I want to be, but I really, it's not my fault. I, I can't be. And Jesus immediately says, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. The amazing place here is this word rise does mean and can mean to get up. But more often it is used in a place to mean awaken. So Jesus was speaking to this man and he was calling him to a spiritual place to spiritually wake up. Yes, he is telling him, take up your bed and walk. He is bringing physical healing but the first thing he says is a place to call him to a place of awakening, of spiritual awakening. Immediately, the man was made well, physical healing. And he took up his bed and walked. That day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, who has cured I'm sorry, the Jews have therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your mat, your, your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Okay, that's not exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, rise, wake up. And then he says, take up your bed and walk. This man missed the spiritual call that Jesus is placing upon him to wake up, to see spiritually, not just physically. Verse 12 tells us, Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? 
But the one who was healed did not know who it was. All right, right here, this place of healed, this can mean spiritual healing and it can mean physical healing. I think John had insight by the Holy Spirit to know the man had been physically healed and he had been made pure, spiritually healed. So it says, but the one who was healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well, physically healed. Sin no more, lest worse things come upon you. I believe Jesus found him later in the temple, and he says, you've been made physically well. The very thing that you were needing, the very thing that you wanted, you have received. But he goes on, and he says, but don't sin anymore. So Jesus is still bringing him into this spiritual understanding, this place that he wants to awaken this man, that not just your physical is the only concern, but your sin is a concern. And he says, sin no more, lest worse things come upon you. I've thought about that for many years because this man had been paralyzed for 38 years, laying in a horrible state. And I thought, man, there's not many things worse. But I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are physically. But I believe Jesus is talking to him not just physically, but also spiritually. That there are greater concerns than just what is happening with you physically. There is a place where if you continue in this place of sin, you'll spend eternal life in a much worse place. I was thinking about this place and, and studying over the, the course of the week and Jesus began to talk to me about these places and help me to understand how so often we are understand or we are coming to him that we just want physical healing. And he is always trying to bring us out of the things around us, not that he may not do the physical healing, but to bring us to awaken our spirit to a greater understanding of what's really important to him, the spiritual side of things, the eternal life that we're going to live one place or another. But I think it's important to grasp a couple of things out of this, not only the fact that Jesus is calling this man into the spiritual understanding, but to also understand the very simplest part of this is showing that this man sickness had something to do with sin because in verse 14 he says sin no more lest worse things will come upon you Jesus is indicating that the sin had caused him to be paralyzed so the question comes to us and oftentimes um, not taught in a way that we 
live seeking out the understanding for this, but the question comes, can sin cause sickness? I think that we have to begin by seeing right here that that's one of the things that Jesus is telling us because he wants for us to have physical and spiritual understanding. The physical understanding is this man was paralyzed because of sin. But I believe that there are several scriptures that continue to back this up. If you'll also look at John 9, it's on page 1233, a few pages over. John 9, let's start here. It says now in verse 1, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus is saying right here, the, uh, no, in this particular case, the man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. That's why this man was blind from birth. But what Jesus doesn't say is that is no longer applicable, applicable to uh, our understanding of sickness in this day and time, now that I'm here. He didn't say that. You see, the disciples knew, that's why they're asking the question, that this had been taught throughout all of the Old Testament scriptures, that sin, disobedience to God, could bring sickness and disease and famine. In fact, let's look at a couple of those scriptures. We won't look at all. There's a, a lot of them. But turn with me to Exodus 9. It's on page 69. Exodus 9, verse 9. This is a familiar passage through here because Moses has gone to Pharaoh and he is asking Pharaoh to let God's people go. And as you know, Pharaoh's heart has been hardened and he says, no, he will not. And so God brings several plagues upon him. But let's look down starting in... Verse 9, it says, and it will, um, let's start in verse 8. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout of all of Egypt. So Pharaoh's sin caused 
these boils to break out into sores on all man and on beast. Sin. His hardened heart towards the things of God. Let's look at Micah 6. It's on page 1075. Micah chapter 6, page 1075, verse 13 says, Therefore I will also make you sick by striking you, by making you desolate because of your sins. So the Old Testament taught over and over again. You can spend some time searching out the scriptures and you will find many times where sin was the cause of sickness. But Micah is explaining it very clearly. It says, therefore, I will also make you sick by striking you, by making you desolate because of your sins. So now when we turn back to John 9 and we see the disciples coming and saying, who sinned here? This man's been blind from birth. Who sinned, this man or his parents? They are knowing and understanding this truth that sin oftentimes brings sickness or disease or tragedies as such as these. But Jesus says, not this man nor his parents, this one was for the works of God that should be revealed in him. So God was using this in a special place. But what Jesus doesn't say is this is no longer true. So I see that once again this place helps us to see that yes, in fact, sin oftentimes brings on sickness. Look with me to... Um, Mark 9, it's on page 1163. Mark 9, verse 17. Starting in verse 17, it says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, 
all things are possible to him who believe. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come to the house, the disciples, uh, the disciples began to talk to him about this. So Jesus lifted his hand, and he arose, and he was made well. So he had what we might call as epilepsy or convulsions, or, but uh, his father called it a mute spirit, so apparently he wasn't able to speak. But Jesus called it a deaf and dumb spirit. But what I want you to see is that there was a spirit, Jesus calls it in verse 25, an unclean spirit that was causing the, the situation the condition of this young son, an unclean spirit. Sometimes it's difficult for us to understand these places that have us bound up that might be causing sickness or disease or a condition or a situation to our health. And it's oftentimes, as Jesus is showing us, a place of an unclean spirit. While we're here in Mark, turn back to Mark 1 on page 1152, verse 34. These unclean spirits, they are a place of sin. They are a place of either generational curse caused by sin or by our sin, but they are caused by anything that doesn't come in alignment with God's spirit. They are an unclean spirit, and they are demonic. Verse 34 says, Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So Jesus is healing many who have various diseases, and casting out many demons. Now, as God began to open my eyes many years ago, I thought he had two groups of people here. I thought he had the people that were sick and the people that had demons. And then one day he clearly helped me to understand, no, you see, it's like these places you've been looking, these demonic presence in someone can cause sickness and disease. They can cause sickness and disease. Look with me to Mark 3. Turn a page or two over. Mark, Mark 3, verse 11. Uh, verse 10, starting in verse 10. Mark 3, verse 10. It says, For he healed many, so as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. He healed many, and the unclean spirits, they were there. And they had to leave. 
if you look on over to the next um, verse on verse 14 right there it says then he appointed 12 that he that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, you find this place of healing and casting out demons or unclean spirits over and over again. Turn to page, uh, a couple of pages over to chapter 6 in Mark on page 1158, verse 13. And it says, And they cast out many demons and, anoint, and anointed with oil many who were sick, and healed them. Let's look back at Matthew 8 on page 1119. It said, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick. He's casting out the demons and casting out the spirits with a word and then healed all who were sick. Not all demons do create sickness and not all sickness is created or is caused by demons. But many times we find the connection. That's what I want us to hear today. Let's look at one more in Luke 6 page 1187 Luke 6 uh, verse 17 says and he came down with him and stood on a level place with a crowd of disciples and a great multitude a people from Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for the power went out of him and healed them all. So again, you see this place of healing of diseases and people who are sick and unclean spirits had to be cast out. Let's turn back to Acts, uh, page 1257, chapter 5, Acts 5. I believe that this is a truth that is not taught very often in the church is that unclean spirits, demonic presence can actually cause sickness and disease and conditions to humans. And I believe that because we don't look at this, that oftentimes we just seek the physical and not the spiritual healing along with the physical healing. 
sometimes people tend to argue and say that that is not for today, and certainly these scriptures all um, help us to understand it was part of the New Testament uh, life and a part of Jesus' walk, but I want you to see that even in the early church that this was a place that they walked in and they understood. So starting in chapter 5, verse 1, it said, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was so, was it not your own, in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing the words, fell down and breathed his last. For great fear came upon all those who heard these things. The young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, telling, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. So again, we see that lying, sin, actually brought both the husband and the wife to die because they had aligned with sin, with an unclean spirit. It says, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart with a lie? So they had embraced an unclean spirit from Satan, the spirit of lying, and now they lied to the Holy Spirit and to God, and it cost them their lives. Uh, turn on over in Acts to chapter 12, verse 23. It's on page 1269. This is regarding King Herod, and um, he has killed James, and he has put Peter in prison. And I want you to just look with me at verse 23. And because he never repented, he was aligned with the enemy. He had a demonic spirit leading him. And verse 23, it says, Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. So his health... His condition was affected by his sinful ways and not repenting. Look at 1 Corinthians 11. It's on page 1320.
1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 27. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he's uh, talking about the Lord's Supper. Verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood, I'm sorry, guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Many have died. For this reason, so they have not examined themselves, they have taken of the, of the Lord's Supper with sin in their lives, and they've not examined themselves, then this caused sickness, it caused them to be weak, and it causes them to die. The last scripture I think we'll look at is in James um, on page 1389, James 5. Let's start in verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will forgive him he will be forgiven let's look at verse 15 again and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. But not if he doesn't confess them. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The message, I believe, in John 5, in the man at the pool of Bethesda, first of all, we have to be awakened. As Jesus was trying to awaken that man that day to the very fact of what was causing him to be paralyzed for 38 years. I believe that's the message, is that God is trying to awaken his church that many are sick and many are dying 
and many are affected with conditions that are caused by unclean spirits, by sins in our lives, by aligning with the enemy. And the Lord's concern is not only for our physical healing, but for our spiritual healing. So I believe the Lord was trying to awaken the man to his physical understanding of sin, to a spiritual understanding of the greater places that would happen if he remained in the sin, if he continued. Not every sin is caused by, I'm sorry, not every sickness is caused by sin. I believe that some sin is simply because we do live in a world that is under the curse. And so sickness and disease can have an authority in our lives. But I believe much of the sickness and disease that we face today is just as we see scripture after scripture after scripture as it was then is because of our sin, our generational curses, our unclean spirits that have an authority in our life. I believe the call today is for us to come and to begin to seek Jesus, to arise, to be awakened to this place that he could guide us in understanding. The only way to know is for him to help us, for him to open up understanding. I do see that in James, that many would call the elders to pray with them in these places. So if you are hearing this message today, if you are in a situation and you are um, concerned about a, a condition or a disease or a sickness that you are affected with and you would like the elders to pray with you, uh, please contact one of our elders. But above all things, I pray that you will hear today this place to arise, awaken to the spiritual concerns. Allow Jesus to open our understanding that we might be healed. Join with me, please. There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an acre for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise when He calls my name
day that's drawing near When this darkness breaks to light And the shadows disappear And my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is 